Welcome to You're Not That Special. My name is Emily. And I'm Sarah. We're two Enneagram 4 INFJs here to talk with you about mental health, eating disorder recovery, and the challenges that we all face. Hey, hey. What's up? Welcome. We have Ray Thomas with us this week, um, which was such a delight. Yes. She brings so much to the table and um, is an old friend of mine. So it was really good to be able to connect with her again and share in a conversation with her. She's currently practicing. Um, she's a licensed professional counselor in Denver, Colorado, and works with all of the areas we talk about, eating disorders, body image, uh, distress, weight management, trauma, and um, something near and dear to my heart is the recovery box, which she is the chief clinical innovation officer of. Um, and the recovery box, if you haven't checked it out, definitely Google it, look it up online. They create tangible tools for mental health recovery. They put so much time and energy into the development of those resources. And um, I use them. I recommend them to clients all the time. They're very... Um, they're wonderful for yeah. the recovery process. I've got several of the products and oh awesome. yeah. So definitely check them out. We will provide the link in the description of this episode. So check that out. Um, Ray has her own experience um, with eating disorder, body image, and um, she works in the field. So she really is bringing together both of those perspectives and um, prides herself on being passionate, weird, and constantly curious. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from her today and um, learn a little bit about change. Yeah. So here we go. Let's dive right in. All right. Welcome, Ray. Thanks for joining us for You're Not That Special podcast recording. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm really excited to be here. We're super excited to have you. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we were all together in person, though. Um, yeah. But that's okay. Someday. Um, we like to start with having you um, kind of introduce yourself, but in a broader context of who you are. Ray Thomas, and outside of the roles that you fill in your day-to-day -day life, but just who is Ray at the core? Mm. Um, I, I think it's taken me a really long time to figure this answer out, but yeah. I have after many hours of journaling. Um, <laughs> I am a very determined person. I'm very creative. Um, sarcasm. I really, really am a person that finding humor in even the darkest and like worst moments is really important for me. And for those that I'm around, um, I am also another big one. I'm incredibly passionate, be it whether it's talking about eating disorders or weight stigma or therapy or philosophy or what, like I, when I find something I'm passionate about, I am passionate about it. Like I go in full force, hundred percent. So that's, that's who I am. 
Yeah, I would definitely say I've um, had the privilege to witness that. And I love that about you. <laughs> Thanks. Your passion. I mean, it just, it radiates. And um, I know it's gotten me fired up and motivated historically. So um, yeah, that's, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely something that I've seen in you and the work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can like recall one of the first times that we met in that basement office. Yeah, um, <laughs> my first office, now. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I just, I remember being so excited and you got so excited and then I was like, oh, I'm so excited that he's <laughs> excited and now we're excited and everything's exciting. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I roll. <laughs> yeah, that's with, the best to have. <laughs> with the humor side of things, like, is that something that you had to hone a little bit as far as like using, because I know it can be used in a healthy way, but it can also be used in an unhealthy way. So would you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think with myself, I actually, in my own personal journey, I, I feel like I took things too seriously for a really long time. And so finding humor and finding these bits of sarcasm and kind of like playfulness was something I needed to acquire for myself um, and find. And that was really challenging. What's interesting is as a therapist, I do see, and in my own personal relationships, especially with um, my fiance as well, where humor then is used as a deflection. And that, that isn't something that I think I picked up on them in the beginning, but now as I'm seeing it, because I came about that humor in such a different way, like I had to struggle to find the humor in things. Ah. I think maybe for other individuals, the humor is a, a a default, right? It's a default for deflection. And so once I started to notice that, you know, there's times where I think I do use it as a deflection, but I notice it a lot when I'm working with others and and then I usually just use humor right back to call them out on their deflection. Yeah. <laughs> just meet fire with fire. Like, all right, let's go there. <laughs> you yeah. want to deflect? Let's deflect. Wow. This is why we get along so well. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like that. the describing it as like having some like playfulness with things. Cause there's just so much in life that can be so heavy and like in the process of like recovery and everything that just feels like so much and to be able to find those moments of lightness and just some humor like that's necessary I think at least for me too like you got to have that to some degree yeah oh my gosh it it, honestly it's been really a game changer finding playfulness um in terms of how I think about myself and and otherwise I just make everything out to be like a life or death situation. Like, Oh yeah. Um, did I say the right thing while passing by a human that I will meet maybe twice in my life? Like it doesn't matter. Like, and so having the ability of playfulness of being like, you know, Oh, I made a really awkward comment. I comment on my awkwardness all the time now. And it's part of the playfulness and it's like, yeah, I'm awkward. Uh, <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's taken a lot, a lot of pressure off of how I exist and how I show up in the world and how I look too. Mm-hmm. being able to find the humor and playfulness. Now it's like, 
oh, well, it, you know, it matters, but it doesn't really matter. It's, right. it's like a fun game and yeah. I'm going to play it and I'm going to have fun while I play it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk a lot about the, obviously the theme of you're not that special. So do you have some, you're not that special moments that you've experienced, like in the either recovery process or just your entire journey, you know, like every day, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to reflect and think of, you know, kind of the first time I remember thinking you're not that special. And honestly, it, I think it was in college um, when I joined Hope Healthy Outlook Peer Educators, which mm-hmm. how we met, and um, realizing that I wasn't the only one that was struggling with eating disorder and related things. Because it, growing up when I was going through my struggle, it wasn't talked about. You know, my family knew, but they, you know, they did the best they could with the tools they had at the time, but here we are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I didn't go to formalized treatment and, and that has its own set of whatever's. And so I felt really alone because no one else around me was struggling with this and it did feel like I was special, but in a really bad way. Mm. Uh, And I think it also kind of gave me this complex when I was going through my recovery journey of you know, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody gets this. Like you can't help me because you've never been through it. And I'm on my own little Island. And I think joining hope allowed me to be like, Oh, okay. Like calm it down. Ray. Like other people have been through this. Other people's help and support can be good for you. That was a big one that I learned. Um, and being able to realize I'm not that special then allowed me to reach out and receive support and love from others in that group. But just throughout my whole college experience, I mean, I, I had so much love and support from so many different people during that time. And I, I think if I hadn't, if I hadn't realized like other people are going through this journey too, I wouldn't have been able to build those relationships. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, but, that's one moment I'm really, really grateful for. Hope was a really, really important part of the journey. And I joined it just wanting to be an activist. Yeah. Not even for like personal things. And it's kind of, it kind of morphed into <laughs> a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Threw yeah. you in there. Yeah. Wow. Um, when I've not thought about you're not that special, like, in other words. And in one of our other interviews, it came up, which I feel like what you were describing is that like, it's essentially, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like you're not that special. You're not alone. Um, and I, I just feel like that's what you were kind of describing with, you know, having community and people that, yeah, they didn't have your exact same experience growing up, but like the shared humanity of the struggle is um, so important to be able to connect on. Yeah. Yeah. I, that knowing you're not alone, there is just something about common humanity, knowing that other people experience the same emotions can go through really similar, you know, have similar thoughts. Like some of the thoughts that you have while having an eating disorder are quite literally insane. Like you're just like, <laughs> what, what is going through my head? Or 
like I remember crying in front of the cheese aisle and I'm like what is happening to me I'm just in a grocery store and we're just crying over a cheese aisle yeah and then I remember talking to someone and they were like oh I remember crying in the seafood section I'm like (laughs) hallelujah like okay great I am not the only one that's just lost it in a grocery store yeah yeah Yeah, like it makes you feel like am I crazy like what is happening but really like it might be a little out there, but also other people have had those experiences too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also think about that, like you're not so special or you're not that special moment. I have been recently watching um, Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, it's just a watch it, yeah. show all about the cosmos and thinking about the future of our cosmos and the earth. It's very like existential. Uh-huh. Uh, And that is another thing that has really made me think like, whoa, we are tiny specks of dust (laughs) on a planet floating in the universe. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's it. (laughs) And we're all in that really small, I wouldn't say insignificant. I think it's incredibly significant, but we're, we're all these little specks of dust together. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's really freaking cool. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like the experiences that we have seem so big and so loud and obnoxious. And then when you really scale back that far, it's like, well, it probably didn't disrupt the world that much. No. Like a, it feels like there's a big sense of like humility that comes with it too, of like just that realization that yeah, I'm having what feels like the worst day in my life. And there are so many other things happening in the world at the same time, like, which doesn't take away from my own experiences, but it just is that reminder of like, you know, tomorrow's another day. Like this is not as significant as I think it is. This is not as earth shattering as I think it is, you know? And it's, I love that like existential kind of thinking, like it gets overwhelming to think like we're just these little specks of dust, but it's also like kind of comforting sometimes to like take off the pressure, you know? I totally agree. Yeah. It's like when I say something really, you know, awkward or I misstep in a conversation, whatever it is, the mistakes that I make because they're inevitable. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah. The sun that is light years away does not care. (laughs) Yeah doesn't care at all it's fine it's gonna keep shining the earth will rotate again we will be okay (laughs) yeah oh man yeah it doesn't like minimize our experiences but it does offer a completely different perspective Mm -hmm. yes absolutely how does like who you are as Ray, um, and some of those realizations that you've had with like, you're not, you're not that special moment. How do those things kind of come together and influence just day-to-day life for you? Ooh, I like, um, (laughs) I like that reflective. (laughs) Day-to-day I do, because I have such passion and determination and kind of just like this driving force that sometimes that driving force goes towards things that are not helpful. Um, for example, um, my anxiety 
often channels into needing the house to be clean and not like, like the book needs to be 90 degrees exactly in between where my chapstick is. I'm like staring at my nightstand right now where, where the chapstick is and the lamp, like it, everything. And I, sometimes I get so driven and pa- like passionate about making our house, like look really nice. Yeah. But I, I, then I have to do that. Whoa. Okay. Specks of dust. Yeah. This does not matter. This is not, I have to like almost recheck my passions and yeah. remember what I'm actually passionate about, what I'm actually driven to do. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, the house organized and set up in a certain way, isn't what I'm actually passionate about. What I'm yeah. actually passionate about is having the brain space to do the work that I love doing with clients is having the brain space to be creative with, you know, recovery box or whatever it might be. And, mm-hmm. and that gets convoluted sometimes. Yeah. So I really have to check myself and I do, I say a lot to myself, like specs dust, fine. <laughs> like we're okay. Yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Speck of dust, like this little <laughs> saying that has a profound meaning. Yep. Yeah. Put on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't going all the way to having a tattoo. <laughs> Speck of dust. <laughs> or don't twist my arm. I love tattoos. I, I will get anything tattooed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel like, you know, within that, of you know, knowing how some of that energy gets channeled for you, are there any non-negotiables that you have in order to kind of stay grounded and keep yourself focused, like in the recovery light and, um, just from a healthy, like place of within mental health? Yes. Um, I have several actually that I don't, and until you ask this question, um, and I was like reading things over and whatnot, I hadn't quite thought about it before. And then I'm like, yeah. Oh, I have a lot of non-negotiables, <laughs> um, but, but all for the good. So a couple of things, one first non-negotiable is therapy. I, I have to be in therapy, whether that's once a week, once a month whatever. Um, I I have to be checking in with my therapist regularly because that just feels like a good check-in for my mental health and and a good space for when my passion is driving in the wrong direction. Yeah. Somebody outside of my life can say like, whoa, right. Mm -hmm. What do you like, what are we doing right now? And I'm like, oh, because if somebody close to me says that I'm like, don't you say that to me? It's important. Right. My fiance is like, it doesn't matter how the house looks like it's just us here. We have more important things. I'm like, how dare you? (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) So I need my therapist to like, check me on that and keep me centered. Um, the, one of the other things that's a non-negotiable is having time to be creative. Mm-hmm. That could be journaling, doing art. I make earrings. I crochet. I have built furniture now. That's another thing I'm doing. Yeah, you name it, and I'm trying to do it. But being creative in some way, at least every week, is another non-negotiable that 
it keeps me rooted in my values and it keeps me feeling like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To be really honest. Um, <laughs> and then another, this kind of weird non-negotiable that I've put in my head that just really helps me specifically with eating disorder recovery is that if I, you know, I'm in intuitive eating phase and love that been there for a while, totally worth the journey to get there. Um, if I am hungry, I have to eat at least something within that hour that I notice I'm hungry, whether I'm out and about, if I need to go to a gas station, if I like, whatever I need to do, I, I need to eat at least something within that hour. Um, because otherwise I've noticed for myself that if I go past that hour, it, it, it's almost like it just triggers that thing in my head. That's like, Oh, you, you don't need to listen to your body. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, and so that's another non-negotiable that's kind of oddly specific, but I've found over the last, well, like 10 years, um, Mm -hmm. it works really well for me. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my biggest top three. Nice. Yeah. I think that that, that one about like eating within the hour of noticing you're hungry, like that is such a important, just like maintenance thing for recovery. I think, because I think that that's something now that you mention it, that I kind of have that in my life too, of like, okay, if I notice it, like, yeah, I need to, even if I'm really busy, it's a hectic day. It's like, you got to make sure that that happens just because you don't want to, or I should say, I don't want to like allow any type of like thought or sensation Mm -hmm. or something to like sneak in even just in that moment. And so I think that that's such a good, like a good thing to share with others too, of just that, that it's okay to even have that as a non-negotiable for years. Like that's mm-hmm. it's not like, that's just something like early in recovery that people have to prioritize. It's like, that's something that in general for life is a really healthy decision to make, like yeah. to honor yeah. that hunger. hundred percent. I, you know, at times I've like been nervous to kind of share that kind of like non-negotiable in my head or this, um, I don't want to call it a rule because that feels far too rigid. Guideline. Guideline. Thank you. Um, Because, you know, I, I've had a lot of people in my life question my recovery over the years, being a clinician in recovery that I feel like that just comes with the territory of people just questioning you all the time. Um, and I, I'm also like, what is wrong with that though? What is wrong with this guideline that I have that even for a human without an eating disorder is a really good guideline. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, Sarah, I really appreciate you saying that because it is something that I think in the past I've been nervous to share and kind of speak out into the world that, that I have that guideline. Cause I'm worried people will question like, well, you know, how strong is your recovery really? Mm-hmm. Uh, it put that in like massive quotes right? Um, in your, <laughs> as you're processing this information, um, auditorily massive quotes. Um, <laughs> and it's everyone defines their own recovery and I feel strong in it. And that's one thing that helps keep me in it. Yeah. yeah. So oh, no. I mean, I, I was like, there's that meme that's like if I don't if I say that I'm hungry and I don't get food in the next like 23 minutes like I'm gonna 
be a hangry person or whatever, like something terrible is going to happen in this world. Like that's totally me. Like <laughs> I need to honor this like ASAP because otherwise we're just going to go to a place that nobody wants to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, from like a physiological standpoint and speaking more as a clinician, it's, we're either going to, I think like in that eating disorder aspect, or I mean, even somebody who hasn't, like you either shut down the queue and ignore it and kind of get permissive about being um, restrictive Mm. or we get so hungry that then we end up overeating and then we're not honoring our body in that capacity. So I think it's a great guideline as far as, um, and I would say, yeah, I kind of have a similar one as far as I have to really be mindful of not getting hangry um and um it's if that's what helps keep you grounded in recovery then awesome why not right it's it's really related to to this um thought that I had had over the last couple years I, I'm not the most on time person. Like I tell everyone that I'm just five to 10 minutes late to everything. Wasn't for this though. No, um, Cause I didn't have to go anywhere. I just walked into my bedroom. Nice. Um, but I, I used to be really self-conscious of that and feeling really guilty for being late. And oftentimes it would come down to shoot. I need to go pick up something at the gas station because I'm hungry right now and girl needs to honor her hunger, but it would end up being this decision of, Oh no, but I'm going to be late to the meeting. And what are people going to be thinking if I think if I'm Uh, late to the meeting and I started just saying, I don't care. I don't care. I will, if I need to be 10, 15 minutes late in order to fuel my body, I'm going to be 10, 15 minutes late. Like it just becomes the top priority immediately. And if somebody is frustrated with me because of that, so be it. But right. this is what I need to do to, to, it's like my boundary. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that, there's, yeah, that's also, been a big game changer. There's years of struggle leading up to the point of even being able to honor your body in that way. And like, yeah, I think that's a huge non-negotiable to not compromise like your own integrity and recovery, like all this work that you've done and yeah. we don't, yeah, we don't have to compromise that. Yeah. And I think people, sometimes individuals that don't totally realize the struggle of an eating disorder, don't fully get that. You know, when I'm showing up to a meeting with, you know, a snack or whatever it is, and they're like, oh, you're, you're late because you were hungry, you know, they don't fully get it. And again, I, I'm kind of at this phase in my life where I'm like, I just don't care. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I just don't really care what you think. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's totally reasonable too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish we could make it more reasonable. I wish it, we could normalize being late to things because we have to eat. Yeah. Well, we'll start by us three going out into the world and being late to something because yeah. and that gives other people permission to do that. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Done. Stroll in with your snack in hand and <laughs> hey, I'm here. <laughs> no, I always say thank you for your patience. I needed to eat. Yes. <laughs> Essential life function. Yes. Uh-huh. Me sustained. Yes. Yes. I'm totally on board with it. Mm-hmm. Fire.
Good. We got a we got a good plan here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> really well. Ripple effect. We will yes. have the ripple effect. <laughs> well, Ray, what has been like the hardest realization that you've had in your journey? <sighs> my body will change for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. That is, that is one of the hardest things that I had to learn and have to keep learning. Yeah. And it's one of the, I also think it's one of the most, uh, how do I articulate that? The most important lesson that I've learned and the one that through learning it and going through the pain of recognizing that and what that means underneath, right? Cause it's not like really about my body. It's about all this other right. stuff, underneath. but here we are, you know, body's part of it. Um, it is what I think has made me as a human and my recovery so resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, because no matter what's then happening to my body, I know I've already accepted that it's going to change. I've already accepted that this, what I, though I am very happy with where my body is at right now, I can't be happy just because my body is at where it's at right now. Yeah. I need to be happy beyond that because body going change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a hard one though. It is. That is so hard body images I mean and that's why they often talk about body image being one of the last parts of the recovery process that really has to you know be worked through and solidify um it's fucking hard yes yeah yeah do you find that there's some like uh I'm trying to think of a good word for it um freedom in being in a place of recognizing that and accepting that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I wouldn't have called it that at first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I remember sitting in my therapist's office talking about this and being like, this is not fair. This is dumb. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a lot of freedom now because now, and honestly, this is a journey that, right. Like I have to keep relearning that because mm-hmm. my body will change. And then I'm like, Oh, that's right. I knew this was going to happen because it's inevitable. It just is. And it's, yeah. okay. but I'm going through this journey right now where my body has changed a lot. I'm having to find new clothes and find a different style and really try and like bring it all together and the, the latest piece that I've been able to grasp onto is the freedom to try out new styles. Mm. I, I really love style. It's part of my creative side. I like yeah. fashion is very fun for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's a piece that I'm now able to find freedom in that I wasn't able to before. Yeah. Uh, Cause I like had a style and I was like, this is my style. This is my vibe. And then 
body changes and I'm like, Oh no. Um, and so now finding the freedom of, I get to try out new things. Yeah. Yeah. And that in your creative process gets to thrive in that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's been a really hard journey to get there. And, and also just a really hard journey when, you know, my body has changed in ways that I, that no longer fit in, you know, I can't walk into a store and just expect to find my size. Um, and that, that is one thing that I think it's been hard to see the freedom and to Mm. be quite honest that I, because it, that part I'm figuring it out. Like literally as of last week, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Very new, but, um, that's a piece that was that doesn't feel like freedom to yeah. walk into the store and be like, mm, I don't think they have anything that's actually going to fit me. Um, yeah. and, and I've had to work so, so hard to not internalize that and be mad at the system and be mad at, you know, the consumerism and, mm-hmm. and where it's at right now, though, it's getting better. It's so where it's at. It has a long ways to go. Yeah. And not be mad at my body. Yeah. Right. So ongoing process. Yeah. What has been like most helpful for you as you've navigated and are navigating that journey? Talking about it openly with people of all different sizes. Yeah. Because one thing that I noticed too is as my body changed, it felt really scary to talk about it with people of different body sizes and felt really excluding. And I, I didn't want that to be the case. I think talking about body sizes should be, and not in a way of like, this is the body size I have, but talking about the different struggles that exist should be a conversation amongst everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be exclusive and it, it has been really, really helpful and to be able to name it, like going shopping literally last weekend, went shopping with two colleagues and, um, I just named it in the store and I was like, yep, I'm not going to find anything in here. And being able to say that rather than doing this weird dance of yeah. looking and not finding, and then they're like, oh, this would be cute on you. Like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, they don't, and just the shame that that creates, I just named it. And they're like, man, that really sucks. Well, where are some other places we could go or mm-hmm. where do you want to shop online and whatever it yeah. may be. That's been really helpful is just talking about it. Just saying this, I'm, I'm not being seen in this store. Yeah. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. Validating that has been so incredibly helpful. When I, yeah, like you said, and you name it, you take the power away from shame yeah Yeah. yes and having those like safe people that you're able to name that kind of thing with and just call it out that like this is what I'm feeling right now and I'm not feeling seen I'm not feeling included or whatever in the experience that to have people that then respond that way you know is key that's powerful Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah it's it's been really powerful and, and, but then also naming and being excited when I do find things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I ended up like finding this really fire outfit from things online that I just, I told everyone, I, we did like a photo, like headshots and stuff last night. And I told them, I had the photographer take a bunch of photos of me in it. Cause I was just <laughs> feeling it. And yeah. I was like, I'm so excited about this outfit because it's one of the first things in a while that I felt like is me is my style and is in my size. Yeah. And it, it felt so empowering. And they were both like the two women I was with were so excited for me and we're like, yes, get it. Um, and so that celebrating that too, of I found it, I found me and now I do feel seen. It was really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I get, gave me goosebumps. I know. (laughs) I love that. I mean, and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And yeah, it speaks to you know the power of community, and that it's so important to. We're going to have negative experiences with people. There's going to be people who don't say the right thing or say something hurtful unintentionally or intentionally. Um, but there is the opportunity, you know, when we continue to develop relationships of searching for those people that are safe and that you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. And then it gives them the permission to be vulnerable right back, you know, in other situations too, where maybe they're feeling a similar way. I mean, it's another, it's another, like, you're not that special in the sense that like, In in another situation, maybe they feel a very similar feeling. Like it's not the same because we're all different, you know, but we can all relate to that feeling of exclusion or not being seen. And so to give other people that permission to share that back is huge. Yeah. I I was literally just thinking that I, it takes so much bravery and vulnerability to like Mm -hmm. put yourself out there and put, not even put yourself, but put your feelings out there. (laughs) Really, what it is. Like, it's scary to put your feelings on the table. Like I can show up and, you know, introduce myself, but then to be like, hi, I'm feeling insert scary emotion here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whole different ball game. And so, yeah. yeah, but doing that is, man, it's really a beautiful thing because not all the time, but more often than not, you're totally right. Like people will reciprocate and they will be vulnerable yeah. too. And you just like build these beautiful, stronger connections. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What has been one of your proudest moments in the, your journey? Um, oh, wow. I don't know. I have, I have a lot. Um, so it's hard to pick one. <laughs> um, well, you can share more than one. Okay. I <laughs> um, what are great. some of your proud moments? Some of my proud moments, um, healing my relationship with movement Mm -hmm. and exercise and finding a really fulfilling and fun Mm -hmm. relationship with exercise is, has taken a really long time. Um, and I'm very, very proud of that. And I feel very empowered by it. Um, Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have control over me in any way like it is solely it's something I get to do yeah Yeah. I get to go do this yay and and that's it and I 
am so stoked about that. Um, I also think I am really proud. There's so many different like levels to this, but I am really proud of how I have been able to, in my recovery, use my experiences to then relate and help other people in their mm-hmm. moments. And the level above that, never assume what someone who has an eating disorder is going through. And so yeah. being able to connect with certain parts, but not also not over connect. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think that can happen sometimes, right? Like, we, yeah. and I, I'll even admit it. Like, I think I did it in the beginning when I was a really little baby clinician. Um, <laughs> I was like, I know I've been there. I know what you're going through. And it's like, I do a little bit, but mostly I don't, um, I'm not in your shoes. And so I think being able to go through that, my own recovery journey and figure out how to use it to help other people, but not overuse it to help other people. Yep. Yeah, I've worked really hard at that. And I'm really proud of myself. I, I feel like, right. And I don't know. I mean, this is my own personal view. Maybe I haven't, but <laughs> I personally feel like I've nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really cool. Well, oh, that's yeah. Hitting the sweet spot with that. Like it's so hard. <sighs> yeah, it is not easy. And now I, something I'm really passionate about haha shocking um <laughs> is working with other clinicians who are in recovery be it from an eating disorder or substance use or yeah another mental health condition whatever um and kind of mentoring individuals on how how to use it and not overuse it um, yeah awesome it's so important it's, yeah and because i i don't think that we not that I don't think, I know we don't talk about it enough, you know, Mm -hmm. through graduate school, through training programs, through internships, it's not something that's discussed. Usually it's like, oh, don't self-disclose or self-disclose only when it's appropriate. (laughs) Okay. You're going to give two lines, (laughs) something that is like super, when is it appropriate and how is it appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I'm really passionate about right now is really helping other clinicians feel empowered to, mm-hmm. use, yeah. to use their personal journeys and not feel shame about it either. So yeah, love that. That's really cool. Thanks. Thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap up, is there like a final message or something that is kind of like the bottom line for you of what you want to share with our community and what, and about like your experience, things you've seen in recovery, anything like that? I think the biggest thing that I hope that people hear is how much of a journey and a process recovery Mm. is. And that even it in January, it was like 10 years since I started my recovery journey. Wow. And even, thank you. I know it was a big, it was a big moment. Um, (laughs) But even 10 years 
after that, I am still learning things and still growing in my recovery. And it's a powerful thing and it's something to be embraced and not to be ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you brought up a good point, like our bodies are constantly changing. Um, Yeah, I know that I've experienced that personally, and it's hard. And yet it's going to continue to happen. Like, if I'm not going to be in disorder of trying to control my body and every aspect of it, it's going to constantly change and evolve. And um, like, I'm not terribly old, but I'm finding that the older you get, like, <laughs> there are some things that just happen. And it's like, I, WTF, like, <laughs> this is not the same that it used yeah. to be. And it, like, never will be. And you're just right. like, oh, okay. Okay. This is <laughs> like uh, now. Yeah, I was listening to, this is an interesting thought, and I'm not going to be able to quote who the philosopher was because I can't hold things in my memory like that. So That's everyone fine. due diligence and you're Googling. Um, <laughs> so I was listening to a podcast philosophy, philosophy podcast the other day and um, the other was talking about how change is the only way that life and new things come about. Mm. The only reason that we are here today is because change happened at some point yep. to bring us here. The only reason that we have societies that we have is because change happened in the societies we had before. Change is necessary for us to yep. move forward. And sometimes remembering that yeah is fine but also can be really helpful yeah and we can't fight for like you know different social justice aspects to change if we're not willing to also be you know engage in the changing process like we can't control some things but oh these things can change um we don't have a say over that yeah 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 I hate the phrase, like it's a learning process, but each time like things do change in our lives, whether that's, you know, what we're doing with our lives or like body changes, you know, stuff like it is a time to kind of explore what my relationship with my body is or where my values are at, how I'm living my life. Like if I'm living in alignment with my values, that kind of thing, like there is a lot to learn throughout that. So I think that, you know, saying that that recovery journey is long-term, like you said, like it, things, there are things you always get to learn and get to explore and discover. It's, yeah, yeah I mean, we, there's no way around that, I think. No. Yeah, yeah. Ah, ooh, now I got little goosies. I know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, we could talk about this stuff all day. So yeah. we'll just have to have you back sometime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Me being able to talk more. Wow. <laughs> oh goodness. But before um, we wrap totally up, would you be up for some fun questions? Yes. I love fun. <laughs> okay. 
I, I'm like dying to know this of um, the most obscure thing that you're good at. <laughs> um, the, this, I've, I feel like I, I have a few, but I'm, I'm really going to try and hone in on it. Okay. Um, the most obscure thing that I'm good at is being able to like flex my toes and pick things up with my toes. <laughs> oh, that's an incredible answer. I, okay. So like podcasts, yeah. you're not going to be able to see this, but like, I have this big toe that <laughs> just like, like, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here we are. Uh, amazing big toe. Yeah. Oh, that's an, yeah, I will, an amazing yeah, I will be like watching something on my iPad. And if I don't want to move my hands, I can like take my toe to pause it or to fast forward or whatever needs to happen on the screen I can do with my toe. Oh my nice. gosh. Well, that will come in, would come in handy. I hope this never happens to you, but like you broke both arms or something yeah. like that. Like you will be set. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah, let's not have that happen, but. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Looking on the bright side. Um, One more. What's your most random fear? Mold. Oh. Even talking about it, like, makes my heart start to race. Um, (laughs) I... I don't know why it didn't always used to be this way. I have no idea what happened, but mold, um, and it it could be on food. It could be just around and existing. But if I see like furry, fuzzy, (laughs) I, I make my fiance deal with all the food. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That I have like a traumatic childhood memory. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like it at all. Wait, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to know tables. Wait, I really want to know what your obscure talents are. <laughs> okay. Both of your reactions were like, impeccable. I, I think uh, uh, this is over. So I no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> huh? Oh, I do. I know. I know mine. Okay. okay. I um can say the like 2008 version of the radio commercial <laughs> for the National Guard. <laughs> the whole thing well let's hear it I was gonna say so you realize you're gonna have to say it oh my god okay but I can't look at you okay that's fine we're not here have anxiety about performance anxiety okay okay (laughs) have you heard it Sarah I've I've heard you do this yes (laughs) okay You and over 350,000 Americans, citizens ready for the call, heroes, you are the Army National Guard. Make a difference. You're trained as a soldier for America. Everything you do touches lives because you are part of an elite team. Serve part-time. Most Guard members serve one week in a month or two weeks a year. You can go to college full-time or have a full-time job. You've got things to do, people to see, places to go. 
This is the best part-time experience a person could ever want. Get the benefits. It's a regular paycheck. It's a place where job skills are learned. It's a perfect way to pay for college. But most importantly, the Army National Guard is where you become your best, a leader, a team player, a success. Join us. We're on the web at 1-800-GO-GUARD.com or call 1-800-GO-GUARD. Sponsored by the Nebraska National Guard, aired by the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. Woo! <laughs> One summer and that's just stuck ever since. Is there like a reason why you memorized it? I mean, I was Good working question. on the phone <laughs> and um, I mean, we only had like two radio stations. And so I was in the tractor for like, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day. And then you hear it like. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a commercial. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Sarah, your turn. Okay. This is really, okay. It's a little hit or miss, but (laughs) oftentimes I will say I am very good at those like guessing games of like how many jelly beans are in the jar kind of thing. I I have many times been like either spot on or incredibly close when it's like a huge jar thing. So I'm pretty good at that. Your spatial like awareness is yeah but it's funny because there have been also times when I'm really far off (laughs) that's why I say it's hit or miss but the times (laughs) I've had many where because at an old job we used to do those games a lot and I would get it like incredible like could be a talent could be luck it could be luck (laughs) (laughs) not to dismiss this is very impressive very impressive nice that's that's actually really cool yeah Yeah. I hate those things I'm not good at those but if I could pick them up with my toes I think just count them one by one with your toes (laughs) oh I love it that'd be fabulous oh my gosh well Ray thank you so much you turn the tables on us today we had to answer a question so that was a new experience yeah Um, you're welcome thank you so much for taking time out today and joining us and I know that this is going to be a conversation that um, will hit home for a lot of individuals in our community yeah I can't wait to share this episode yeah, I'm really excited and glad I was able to talk to you both today and talk about some of these things. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we can have you back again. Sounds good. I like that plan. Okay. All right. You take care. All right. Thanks, Ray.